All right. Morning. Kids, how are you? All right. Let's um, let's pray one more time, just because it's good to commit to the Lord in prayer. And um, I know your attention spans are going to be tested today. Um, it's already 1230, and I've got an hour and a half of content. Sorry, Dennis. Um, but kids, I'm going to pray for you as well, that you can stay focused and learn something today. And I'm excited for the message that that's on our heart. So let's give thanks and then we'll open our Bibles. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for um, each young person here today. It's so special to all be together. It's so special to know that you care for each young person. And we, um, we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids. Fall is here. What sport do you like to watch when fall comes? Yeah, Mr. James. Football. Any other of you young people like to watch football? Yes, lots of hands. Good. When I was young, about your age, 2008, 2009, was probably my peak of football addiction. I loved everything about football. My team was, is, and is to come, the Minnesota Vikings. Yep, thank you. Ready for another moral victory season this year, I'm sure. And so... Um, anyway, that was a big year for the Minnesota Vikings, if some of you kids hadn't discovered America yet. But for those of us old-timers here, do you remember what happened in 2009? We acquired a quarterback named Brett Favre. And Brett Favre had played for the Green Bay Packers for 16 seasons. We don't like the Packers. And I remember when the news came across the desk that Brett Favre was coming to the Vikings. It was just crazy. You just couldn't even imagine. This was like their guy. I mean, he had won a Super Bowl there. He had won an MVP. He had all these yards and he was coming and he was going to put on that purple and gold uniform. And it was like you could hardly picture it in your mind. How could someone who had been on that side of the border come over and play for us? And we're going to look at a Bible character today who made a transformation, I would say, as comparable and as crazy as Brett Favre changing from the Green Bay Packers through the Jets to the Minnesota Vikings. And it's an incredible story about God taking someone. And the theme for today is, is going to be about the Apostle Paul. And it's going to be Paul, a trophy of God's grace. Now, kids, I can see some of you are already lost you're already, you're already checked out. Some of you girls, you heard football and you were done. Let's do a little repeating. I'm going to say, what do we know about Paul? And you're going to say, it's a trophy of God's grace. Okay, so kids, kind of work your tongues out. Ah. Ah. Okay, very good. What do we know about Paul? A trophy of God's grace. Sorry, kids, the adults left you hanging. Let's get them involved too. What do we know about Paul? A trophy of God's grace. Okay, kids, I want you to imagine for a second, it's a couple thousand years ago, you're a young kid, and if I came up to you and I said Saul, all I said was the name Saul, what do you think would come to your mind? Who thinks you know Saul? You're just a young kid, maybe you're in Rome, a young Hebrew kid, and I just say the name Saul. Emmeline, what comes to your mind? A bad guy, maybe. Maybe. What do you think of Saul? What do you think, Mr. Or, yeah, Olney, what do you think? Persecutor. Persecutor, maybe. I think actually what would have come to your mind first would have been a king. Way back in the Bible, there was a king named Saul. There was a king named Saul who came from the tribe of Benjamin. He was picked by the people 
or asked, he was picked by God, but asked by the people to be a leader. And Saul came and he had um, some rules for the people. He became their king and he ultimately turned away from God and lived a very disobedient life. And there's a new Saul who starts rising up. Maybe you're a little kid around this time. There's a new Saul also from the tribe of Benjamin. Wow, it's like, did he pick up right where the old guy left off? This new Saul was a Pharisee. Pharisee means you cared a lot about rules. You cared a lot about how people looked, just like the old Saul. This new Saul, um, his parents were, were Roman citizens, but he was a Jew, and, and he learned a lot from a bunch of different teachers. He was a really smart guy. And, and this, this new Saul grew up in a time when Jesus was on the earth and doing, doing some miracles and teaching and ultimately died and passed away. And um, this Saul eventually came to be someone that God chose to impact every one of your lives here today. Kids, there's an important word I need you to know today. It's the word Gentile. Everyone say Gentile. Gentile. Okay, a Gentile means you're not a Jew. You weren't born a Jew. You weren't raised a Jew. Paul was God's witness to the Gentiles. You see, Paul, the very first Saul that came was a Saul that was asked for by men, but the second Saul who came was chosen by God. And that's the Saul we're going to talk about today. So Saul, or Paul, which was his Gentile name, what do we know about him? A trophy of God's grace. You're still a little fuzzy. Let's try it again. Paul, what do you know about him? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's good energy. So when we think of a trophy, it's kind of interesting. When you hold up a trophy or you look at it, there's a lot of different angles that you can look at it. And we're going to look at four angles of the Apostle Paul today. And I want you kids to learn something about him. If you haven't guessed already, the biggest thing you're going to learn from looking at the life of Paul is you're going to learn about grace. If you have your Bibles, opens to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Point number one I want to talk about is Paul the persecutor. Paul the persecutor. Kids, do you know what persecutor means? It's not a very nice thing to persecute someone. And we hear Paul writing about himself, and this is what he writes about himself. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, he says, I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Kids, what does this tell us about Paul? Paul the persecutor was a man that you probably wouldn't want to see on the street. See, this was a guy who thought that he could please God by persecuting the people of God. You see, Saul actually in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, when we see him the first time, is standing by as Stephen is getting stoned. See, kids, Saul was a Pharisee, and, and he thought that he had a lot of power by being a Pharisee. He thought I, he could have his kind of his hands on the horns of life, and he could do whatever he wanted. And his life's goal was to please God through his good works, he thought, and ultimately that led to persecuting people. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 says that Saul breathed threats of murder against the disciples of Christ. Threats of murder. It makes a special point somewhere else where it said Paul also persecuted 
even the women and the children. This is how, how twisted and messed up his mind was. He thought, I can persecute the people that are wanting to follow Jesus and maybe that will bring me some kind of peace or some kind of merit with God. He thought everyone who's following Jesus, everyone who's into this, this new idea of grace, I don't want anything to do with them. I'm going to persecute them. We see Paul the persecutor is how he starts in the Bible. And then we see something very interesting. Flip in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and we're going to read verse 4. Saul is breathing threats and murder. He's going to find some people to persecute, and the Lord Jesus appears to him. Acts chapter 9, verse 4 says, Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Kids, who do you think was speaking to Saul? Who do you think, kids? Who was speaking to Saul? Yeah, uh, let's do Hudson. Who do you think was speaking to Saul? It was God, but who specifically was it? It was Jesus. Jesus appeared and is speaking to Saul, and he says, why are you persecuting me? Kids, remember Saul is a trophy of God's grace. I have a question for you. Why is grace so important? Why is grace so important? To answer that question, you probably need to understand what grace is. Grace means that we're getting something that we don't deserve, or we're not receiving a punishment that we do deserve. And um, to illustrate that, I like to have a, a little story I share with people. This one's maybe more for the young boys, but young boys, do any of you like to go into your dad's garage and like play with tools or toys or things in your dad's garage? One of you's admitting it, probably all of you do it. Um, when I was a young kid, I loved to go into my dad's garage and see what I could get into. What's your guess of what my favorite tool was that my dad had? What do you think my favorite of them all was? Elliot, what do you think? Not a saw. He kept that on the top shelf, but it was kind of more a lower shelf tool, you know? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Hammer. I loved the hammer. I loved getting my hands on it. It felt good. You could hit things with it. And one day I convinced my older brother, I said, I've got a great idea. Let's get the hammers and let's go hit something. And my dad had um, the driveway kind of came like this, kids. It was kind of a slab that our garage was on. And then it dipped down a little bit. And there was our driveway. There was probably an inch or two lip. And I said, man, that lip right there really looks like it just needs to get chipped down. I mean, that's just that concrete seam there is just sticking up. I stubbed my toe on it. And I said, wouldn't dad be happy if we just chip down that concrete. So we sat out there for hours, sitting kind of just cross-legged, just with those hammers, just smacking that concrete forever. Caleb Weikert's like, man, future employees right here. This is great. <laughs> we would just sit there. We were just chipping away at the concrete. And I don't, somehow I thought my dad would be impressed or be happy by that. I was kind of delusional, kind of like Saul thought, maybe God will be happy that I'm persecuting the church, just doing something ridiculous, chipping away. And my dad comes and he sees that. And do you think he's happy with what he sees? No, not at all, because I was doing something I shouldn't, and I was destroying part of our garage. Kids, what do you deserve when you do something like that? You deserve a punishment. I heard someone say a spanking, maybe discipline. Yeah, something going on. But you know what? My dad came to me. I was just a young kid, and he actually didn't punish me this time. He talked to me about what I had done. I really didn't have an understanding that I was hurting things. It, it really, it sounds crazy. I was maybe just that dumb, but I didn't know I was causing problems. And he gave me grace. He didn't discipline me. He forgave me. 
You see, why is grace so important? Because it has to do with forgiveness. And kids, let me just explain it this way. When Paul is talking to Jesus this encounter, we see Paul the persecutor get saved. Jesus says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? What did he say? Me. Me. Everyone say me. See, Saul, or as he later known as Paul, was actually persecuting the Lord Jesus. What's the big deal with the hammer, kids? If you go and take a hammer and you knock on a piece of concrete, is it that big of a deal? Not really. What if you take the hammer and you go and you see a car in the driveway and you knock on the car with the hammer? Is it a big deal? Yes. Starting to get a bigger deal? What if it's like a Lamborghini, like the nicest car you've ever seen, and you go hit on it? Bigger deal? Kids, what if you were to take that hammer and you go hit a person with it? What if you hit him and hurt him really bad? Is that a big deal? But you see, it's the same hammer. The same hammer in all the circumstances. What changed is what you're hitting. Think of that of who you're sinning against. And Saul came to this realization, when I'm persecuting these Christians, when I'm hurting these families, when I'm breathing these threats, I'm actually persecuting Jesus. Paul needed God's grace. Point number one, we see Paul the persecutor, we see that he was saved by grace. Say saved by grace. grace. Kids, that's the only way that you can be saved is to be saved by grace. And Paul had that happen to him. He was saved by grace. Kids, if, if you were a young child in the first century, you're a young Christian kid, and you hear that this guy Saul gets saved, you would be pretty surprised at what happens next. Imagine if we were all sitting here in church and there was a guy who was coming and persecuting and hurting people. All these things are happening, and then maybe Uncle Bobby or Brooke stands up and they say, guess who's speaking at our conference next weekend? I'd say, wow, really? You see, after we see Paul the persecutor, the second the second way I want you to look at, at the trophy of God's grace is we see Paul the preacher. Paul becomes a preacher for Christ. Paul the persecutor was saved by God's grace and Paul the preacher became a minister of God's grace. A minister of God's grace. One who wanted to share the gospel with those around him. And Paul started bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ all over the world. Um, This summer, kids, I've had some chances to travel around to Bible camps in different places, and we've done different studies on the life of Paul, and it's so interesting. No matter what angle you look at Paul's ministry, you always see God's grace as he was a preacher. He didn't bring any message to the people except for the grace of God, the gospel. Um, You know, it's interesting when you think about preachers, kids, and this is something good for you to stick into your mind for later as you're growing up. When you think about preachers, you can learn a lot about how they talk about themselves. If you find a preacher talking about himself, especially in front of other people, you can start to learn a lot. My um, sophomore year at UNI, went to University of Northern Iowa. There was a man who got up right in the middle of, of the campus and he starts kind of yelling and screaming and it was some pretty um, inappropriate things he was yelling at students as they were walking by and it was, it was getting pretty... Um, foul what he was saying and some people kind of confronted him when we were talking with him and the way he started talking about himself it blew my mind he started talking about how he was perfect he told us he had never sinned he told us that he was living the perfect life that he came to preach judgment and wrath on everyone else but he was the standard 
You learn a lot about someone by how they talk about themselves. Do you guys know how Paul talked about himself? It's really interesting. Paul calls himself, the, the, most, the most common thing he calls himself is an apostle. Do you guys know what an apostle is? An apostle in the, in the New Testament is someone who has seen Jesus. Everyone say, seen Jesus. Yeah, you and I have not seen Jesus the way Paul did. But every time Paul would have brought up that he was an apostle, he was reminding those around him that he saw Jesus when he was on his way to go kill Christians. That he saw Jesus as one who was actually an enemy of God. See, he wasn't like the other apostles, the 11 who are mentioned a lot of times in the New Testament. They had been with Jesus for a long time. Paul was one who had to be brought to Jesus later. And he referred to himself as an apostle. And then he puts another word with it, an apostle and a servant. Say servant. servant. Did some of you kids start school this week? Yeah, some of you maybe are starting next week. Do your moms kind of have you take that picture? Like, hi, I'm, you know, Elias Biggs, first day of school. You guys take those pictures? Yeah, you guys know. Sometimes on the, on the thing, it, it says what I want to be when I grow up. What do you kids say? What do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. A builder. Good. Firefighter. Yes. Uh, just say it, kids. What? Just say it. Candy store, soccer coach. Maybe you could put those together. Okay, this is what Paul said. Listen to me, kids. This is what Paul said. Now that I'm grown up in Christ, I'm an apostle and a servant. Or some people would even translate it to be a slave. He would say, I'm an apostle and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I've seen God and I've turned away from that prior life to now go and serve. That's what it means to be a minister of the grace of God or one who spreads the grace of God. As a, as a preacher and an evangelist, Paul never came in pointing all fingers and saying, look, I've got it all figured out. He said, I want to be a servant of God. This is a trophy of God's grace. This is like seeing Brett Favre in the purple and gold colors. It doesn't make any sense till you see it in real life. How could you go from persecuting the church to one who is a servant, one who cares, one who lays their life down? Um, 1 Corinthians, flip over there if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 9 and 10. Kids, if you don't have your Bibles or you can't read, that's okay, you can listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the blank of God, kids, what do you think that word is? By the grace. grace. Good job. 7% of you are listening. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Do you see that word again, kids? Grace. What do we know about Paul? He's a what? A trophy of God's grace. Adults, you guys, I got to get you in on this, man. You guys are struggling a little today. A full month of Sunday school for all ages. I know you're tired. Let's all say it together. Paul is a Good. Don't you forget it either. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. Paul is talking about being an apostle and he says, I'm not even worthy like the other ones. But God extended grace towards me. Um, in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, 1 and 2 Timothy, 
Paul calls himself an apostle, reminding everyone of the grace of God. In Romans and Philippians, Paul refers to himself as a servant or a doulos, one who is going to be a lifelong slave or a lifelong servant to God. First and Second Thessalonians, Paul refers to himself and Timothy as just being brothers in the work. He doesn't elevate himself above another. And in Titus, Paul calls himself a servant and an apostle. You know why Paul talks about as, as a preacher being a minister of God's grace? Because Paul realized the work he was doing was work done by God. Kids, some of you may have gotten saved this summer at camp. Maybe you've got saved at VBS. Maybe you're a Christian now, and you're wondering, how do I live a life that's worthy of, of God? How do I become a minister of God's grace myself? How do I lead a life that's full of grace? And it all comes back to who saved you. Who's doing the work in you? It's God. Um, I like to tell a story. I can tell you kids love stories as much as me. I like to tell a story about my little brother. He's not here today, but um, he knows that I pick on him sometimes. But my little brother, Ari, I remember when he was small, um, we had chore time. And what do you guys think Ari's chore was when he was like four? Clean his room? No way. He couldn't find his room, man. What do you think? What do you think his chore was? Garbage? No, that was one rank up. That was the next rank up. Solana usually got the garbages. What do you think? What do you think his chore was? No, okay. I'll help you. It's something you fold. Towels, towels. Okay, towels was like the absolute bottom job because it, I mean, it wasn't that important. It's like fold a couple hand towels and we would always have two buckets. You kind of have your bin of towels that need to get folded and a bin that's empty. And my little brother Ari would be like four or five years old. He'd be sitting there trying to fold towels and he'd kind of fold one up and then set it into the next bucket. And as he would go, you almost couldn't tell which bucket was folded and which wasn't. I mean, about halfway through, it's like two crumpled up piles. And I remember thinking, mom and dad, why are you wasting your time trying to teach these little kids to fold towels? Right? Like they're so bad at it. It's, it's not even worth it. And you know, what would, you know what would be interesting to see is when he was done, the folded bin pretty much looked like what it started out as. But do you think mom and dad came and punished him? You think they disciplined him and yelled at him? No, they said, hey, great job. You did a really good job. We're so proud of you. You're getting better at this. And then he would go and I would see dad behind him folding those towels up. Dad would fold them up and put them there and and Ari would come and look at his work and kind of grin and keep walking along just on top of the world. He recognized, my dad, that he wanted to teach Ari something. And he came behind him and made up the difference. He came behind and made up the difference where there was, there was um, a problem. And being a minister of God is the exact same way. We are not able to do everything perfectly. And Paul realized that. Paul realized he's just struggling to even fold towels, but the grace of God is coming behind him and making up the difference. As we follow after Christ, kids, if we want to be a trophy of God's grace, we have to trust that God is the one helping us do the work. So first we saw that Paul was a persecutor, saved by the grace of God. We see that Paul is a preacher, ministering the grace of God. Now I want to share about Paul being persecuted. Point number three, Paul being persecuted, suffering according to the grace of God. According to the grace that was given him. Paul went on how many missionary journeys, kids? Do you know? How many journeys did he go on? It rhymes with door. 
Four. Good. Great answer. Paul went on four missionary journeys to spread the gospel. Paul was shipwrecked how many times, kids? How many times did Paul get in a shipwreck? Six. I see one. Go in the middle. Three. Good job. Three shipwrecks. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned. He was yelled at. He was put in prison and bonds and stocks. He was oftentimes beaten so much they thought he had had died. You know what's interesting about being a trophy of God's grace is Paul at one point was persecuting the Christians and you, you see him just a few years later being persecuted for the name of Christ. You see, the entire perspective of Paul's life had changed. You used to look and see something dark and terrible. Now you see someone who is on fire for God and being persecuted. You know, kids, sometimes we think, I don't know if I can do X, Y, or Z for God. It might be too hard for me to do this or too hard to do that. I guarantee when Paul spoke to Jesus on that road to Damascus, he had no idea what was coming for him. He had no idea what would be coming next. But kids, this is important. Look up here for a second. Let me see your eyes. God gave grace to Paul for each situation he was in. God gave enough grace for each situation he was in. And you may not know everything that God's going to have you do. You may not know what next week even looks like. But God wants us to have faith in him for the next step that is given. Paul was persecuted, but he suffered according to the grace given. Um, For sake of time, we're going to keep moving fast here. My last point here, we saw Paul was a persecutor. We saw that um, Paul was a preacher. Saul, he was persecuted. And the final thing I want you to see is that Paul was a prisoner. Everyone say prisoner. Yeah. You know, the first time I went to a prison, I was probably, I don't know, maybe six or seven years old. My, my uh, dad was visiting a friend that was in there, the friend of a f- the family that was trying to get their life straightened out. And I remember we were in Anamosa prison and they locked the doors behind us. And I just thought, man, I never want to be in a place like this. I was so scared until I saw the vending machine and I really calmed down. Things, things got a little better. But prison was a scary place for me as a little kid. I thought, this is pretty rough. Uh, this summer, my, my wife and I were in Italy and we saw a Roman prison as they used to have them. And it would make that prison in Anamosa look like an absolute palace. The, the Roman prison was pretty much like a hole in the ground. I wouldn't be able to stand up straight in there. You couldn't see any light. It's really small. It was kind of a ripoff. They made a museum out of it. I'm like, I paid 20 bucks to see this? It's like a hole in the ground. There's nothing here. You see, Paul became a prisoner time and time again. In Acts chapter 16, 23, and 24, he was in a Philippian prison. In Acts chapter 28, he was on house arrest. Paul was a a prisoner in his own home. But kids, you know what's really interesting? And kids, if you get one thing out of today, this is what I want you to get. I want you to get how Paul referred to himself as a prisoner. Turn to Philemon chapter 1. It's only one chapter in Philemon, but Philemon verse 1, Paul says, Paul, a prisoner, does he say a prisoner of Rome? No. Does he say a prisoner of Philippi? Does he say a prisoner of the government? He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul, a prisoner of Christ. What does that mean? Did Jesus throw Paul in prison? What do you think, kids? Did Jesus throw him in prison? Okay, good. We have some Bible scholars here. They think no. Turn over to Ephesians. Let's see if we can find something else 
out about. This is interesting. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 1. Paul says, I therefore as a prisoner for, a prisoner for what? What do you kids think? Prisoner for the Lord. Okay, this is getting interesting. Um, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, down in verse 5, he said, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has been now revealed to his holy apostles and the prophets by the Spirit. Paul's talking about the ministry given to him, that he was given a mystery about the church. And kids, if you don't understand all of that, that's okay. I want you to get that first part, that Paul was a prisoner of Christ. All right, I need three volunteers really quick. Let's do three boys. Um, yeah, Marshall, you can come up. Um, Elliot and then Samson. Sure, you guys are all kind of about the same. Samson, you're going to be the Apostle Paul here. Come to the middle. And you boys are going to be some Roman guards, okay? Now, you think about Paul being on house arrest. For a couple years, he was on house arrest. And you might think, house arrest's not that big of a deal. I mean, I don't know. My house isn't that bad. Go watch some TV, watch River Monsters, and eat a snack, and do whatever. No big deal. House arrest. No, this is what it was like for Paul. Paul had chains on him, so these two guys were with him wherever he went. So Paul, take a step forward. They would take a step forward with him. Hey, Paul, take a step back. No, back, back, good. They would take a step back. Paul says, I want to go to the bathroom. He's got two buddies going with him. <laughs> yeah. He says, I want to go take a nap. Go ahead and lay down. Lay down. They're laying down there with him too. Okay, get up, Paul. Simon says, get up. Come on now. Don't lay on the ground. We're at church. Okay, so Paul, Paul had years of his life where he was chained to these two guys and anywhere he wanted to go, they had to come with him. I mean, he never got away from these guys. They would take shifts of people chained to Paul. Okay, go sit down. Thank you. They would take shifts of being chained to Paul. And Paul said, you know how I'm close to those guys every day? You know how I never get away from those guys? No matter where I go, they're right there with me. That's how I am to Jesus. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Wherever he goes, whatever he does, I'm going to be right there with him. That's how Paul referred to himself when he mentioned being a prisoner. Paul was a trophy of God's grace as a preacher. He was a trophy of God's grace even as he was a persecutor and being persecuted. And then as a prisoner of God, he was a trophy of God's grace. He was captivated by the grace of God. In closing, I, I want to share a story with you kids. Um, you know, every one of us that's, that's in the room today, we can choose if we want to be a trophy of God's grace. You might think, man, this guy Paul, what does he have to do with me? He brought the gospel to the Gentile world. That's all of us. He was sharing the gospel. He tells us that even those people who were chained to him started to get saved. It became so noticeable that, that people in Rome started to get saved and it spread through, through Europe and it eventually spread to us here in Cedar Falls, Iowa. But as I was studying the life of Paul this summer, there was a story I heard about some Roman soldiers who came to know the grace of God. I don't know if they came to know it from Paul or they came to know it through somewhere else, but I wanted to share it to you. Um, just a closing story about the grace of God. It's um, just a few minutes. I'm just going to read through it and then we'll close in prayer. Can I get your attention for just a couple more minutes, kids? I mean, it's the end of Sunday school for all ages. You can finish strong. Dig deep. 
Tell your friend, pay attention. I didn't hear you. Tell him. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Okay, listen up, kids. Listen up. I love this story. 1,600 years ago, the pride of the Roman army, the 12 legions, was stationed at Sebate, just south of the Black Sea. It was the middle of winter, and a harsh order had just come by messenger from the capital at Constantinople. Reigning as emperor at the time was Valicius Lincus, or something like that, who viciously hated Christians and had caused the death of thousands of martyrs. Snow was falling as the new emperor order was given. He said, under the penalty of death, read this command. All members of the Roman army must at once offer sacrifices to the emperor and acknowledge him as the one true God. No one blinked an eye, but there were Roman soldiers there who knew that there were 40 among their ranks who were Christians. The same thought went through each soldier's mind. These Christians will never sacrifice to the emperor. They'll never desert their God. Forty brave soldiers for Jesus, forty brave soldiers for Christ, will be true to our God and stare death in the face. Though we perish on this lake of ice, will be forty brave soldiers for Christ. As soon as the soldiers were dismissed, a captain came to the commander's tent and announced that there were forty soldiers who had not performed the sacrifice to the emperor. They were immediately arrested and put into custody of Agilos, the chief jailer, who marched them off to military court. Commander opened the trials, saying to them, Soldiers, you serve the, the empire, you're loved and you're needed, but you need to turn away. Don't turn this love into hate and contempt. How important can this Jesus be? Bow down to the emperor, and this will all be over. But the leader of the 40 said firmly, The word of God says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We've made our choice. We will not sacrifice to the emperor. We'll be devoted to our God. We're 40 brave soldiers for Jesus, 40 brave soldiers for Christ. We'll be true to our God and stare death in the face, though we perish on this lake of ice. We'll be 40 brave soldiers for Christ. The captain didn't have the authority to sentence the Christians to death. The commander waited for the arrival of the, the general who would be making a visit to the 12th legion. The Christians were put into custody of the jailer, Agilos, for the entire week. And when the general came, he agreed with the decision of the commander, gave the Christians a choice, worship the emperor or be delivered over to torture and death. The Christians remain firm. We have our armor and you can take it. You can take our names. You can take our lives. But we've made our choice and we prefer God. The soldiers heard their sentence. They were to be bound with strong ropes, led to the middle of a frozen lake. And at sundown, they were to be stripped and marched. At that time, they could change their minds and they could go through the rituals of sacrificing to the emperor and there would be heated baths all along the shore. Agilos, the jailer, who had been caring for the soldiers, brought them out and the guards were posted all along the edge in case they tried to escape. And they marched bravely in. They sang loudly, 40 brave soldiers for Jesus, 40 brave soldiers for Christ. We'll be true to our God. And stare death in the face, though we perish on this lake of ice. We'll be 40 brave soldiers for Christ. For a while, their song echoed all through the camp. But at midnight, it was approaching freezing temperatures and their voices grew weaker and weaker. One of the 40 was seen emerging from the darkness. He had given up. He said he would sacrifice to the emperor. He fell on his knees and he began to crawl into one of the baths. The jailer saw that he uh, came out very quickly for the shock of the warm water had killed him. 
And he heard something coming from the water. He heard on the ice, 39 brave soldiers for Jesus. Agilos watched and he was overcome with emotion. What happened in his heart, God knows. Even the guards that were around the camp awoke as they heard Agilos joining in, joining in the singing now as he shouted out, 40 brave soldiers for Jesus, 40 brave soldiers for Christ. We'll be true to our God and stare death in the face as we perish on this lake of ice. 40 brave soldiers for Christ. He joined them and died that day. 40 martyrs killed for their faith in God. So it wasn't too long after Paul was beheaded for his faith, the story of martyrs was passed down. All of these ones heard of the grace of God and gave everything for it. Kids, when you think of this story, it's kind of a serious thing. It's, it's sobering to think of ones giving their lives for Jesus. But you know what's even more sobering to think about? That Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus died for each one of you kids. And if you want to be a trophy of the grace of God, if, if you want to be one who will stand firmly and proclaim Christ, you can choose to follow him today. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not of ourselves. That offer of salvation is open to each one of you. And I would just put a challenge out to you parents and, and older kids and ones who know Christ. Are you standing firm for Jesus Christ? Is your life marked by the grace of God? Are you, are you a trophy of God's grace that can be so clearly seen from your previous life to where you are now? Would you be a soldier for Christ with your life? Let's pray. Father, thank you for these young ones. Thank you for the story of, of Paul and how he, how he lived a life that was honoring to you, even coming from just a, a very troubled past of persecuting the church, how he set an example that made its way down through the Roman soldiers and it's made its way all the way to us here today, the message of the gospel. We ask that um, that message would be clear to each one of us, that it would be on the minds of each of these young ones. Even as we leave here, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.